Hi everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Queering LGBTQ. Ever since I learned what queer theory was, I haven't stopped thinking about it. There are so many ways it can be applied to our daily lives. Each individual thinks that they see and understand what LGBTQ means. But I want to talk about how we can take a more queer approach to our standard labels. In the simplest terms, queer theory is a challenge. It's a challenge to the societal standards of gender and sexuality. It's a challenge to societal norms. Queer theory tells you to throw what you think you know out the window and then reanalyzes it as you bring it back in. Queer theory questions everything, and because it's theory, there's no one answer, or answers at all. It's an ongoing discussion passing through time. And now, that discussion has reached me. Today, we're going to be focusing on the term lesbian, its origin, history, and the ways that queer theory challenges it. The word lesbian derives from the name of the Greek island Lesbos, the island on which Sappho, the famous Greek poet, lived around the 6th century BCE. It wasn't until thousands of years after Sappho originally wrote her poems about women that the word would emerge. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, lesbian was first used as an adjective in 1559 and as a noun in 1732. And although the knowledge of lesbianism and what it means has been around for centuries, it wasn't until more recently that the term has become commonplace. So in what ways can we challenge the term lesbian? To start off, one of the biggest problems we run into with the term lesbian is that it's a very Western word, and many lesbian spaces in the United States have been predominantly white. In the 1950s, the organization Daughters of Bilitis was at the forefront of lesbian activism. In her chapter, Sexual Minorities and Heteronormativity, in The Rutledge History of Queer America, Dr. Amanda Latower points out that there were many racial minorities who joined the lesbian activist group, and they had also, quote, elected two black lesbian presidents, but the DOB was nonetheless primarily an organization of white middle-class lesbians, end quote. Through their activism, the Daughters of Bilitis did a lot for their lesbians' rights in the 50s, but that dominant voice of lesbians for a long time was white women, so the term becomes synonymous with white women, leaving out lesbians of color. When lesbian bar culture emerged in the 1940s and 50s, white lesbians would gatekeep who could and couldn't come into their bars, with the determiner usually being race. Latower writes, quote, Racism limited the access of lesbians of color to bar culture. Bouncers demanded multiple forms of identification from black and Latino women, for instance, and bar owners regarded groups as a potential problem, end quote. And that, quote, white lesbians, who regarded themselves as less racist than straight whites, nonetheless minimized the existence of racism in lesbian bars, leaving women of color feeling invisible and unwelcome, end quote. While there has been a lot of growth since then, there are still plenty of racist lesbians still gatekeeping the community. Gabby Rivera's fictional book, Juliet Takes a Breath, is set in 2003 and follows a young Puerto Rican lesbian from the Bronx. It really sheds light onto the lack of white lesbians' understanding of intersectionality. There's a scene where a few white lesbians are complaining about having to share space with black lesbians and listen to what they have to say. Juliet's white lesbian mentor tells the girls that they need to recognize their white privilege and to make room for lesbians of color. This doesn't sit well with Juliet because it implies that they would not have space unless the white women made it for them. White women have been dominating the lesbian narrative for so long and need to understand that lesbians of color exist and take up space and that they don't need to make room for them, but to just listen and let them lead more 
instead of being drowned out and stepped on by white voices. Despite this, there are many women of color now that use the term lesbian and find it affirming. With the rise of social media, the connection and community has only been able to grow stronger. On TikTok, hashtag black lesbian has 42.9 million views. Hashtag Latina lesbian has 7.8 million views. And lesbians of color has 110.1 thousand views. With so much access to labels, women of color are able to make their voices louder and cannot be so easily gatekept by white lesbians. While there are millions of folks who feel empowered by and use the term lesbian, we need to take a step back and look at what that label might be excluding. For the sake of intersectionality, we have to consider the fact that our identities are not universal. Every culture has a different way of viewing gender and sexuality. And the way that many English speakers view sexuality is very binary. We describe gender in the binary, and we then describe sexuality based upon that binary. As a society, our whole mode of identification is based upon our spoken and written language, which of course makes sense because that's our main way of communicating, but that also limits the way others perceive their identities. From his excerpt in Queer Asia, Gabriel Samarine talks about the struggle to find the words in Arabic that describe the different types of love and gender in the same way that we do in English. He mentions Gaida Musa, a Palestinian queer woman, who says that there is a lack of access for gay women if they do not speak English, because most sources don't translate to Arabic. Semarine writes, quote, Musa reports that the need for an appropriation of the Arabic language is also felt on the individual level, as many Palestinian queer women don't feel comfortable talking or writing about sexuality-related issues in their mother tongue, end quote. Even if these women, by dictionary definition, would be considered lesbians, enforcing that label only works for English speakers. Enforcing labels and narrowing terms only causes more trouble for those trying to identify themselves. It may be affirming, and it may help many people feel like they understand themselves more, but it doesn't account for those who don't speak English. Musa could use the term lesbian and be perfectly happy with it, but she wants a way to describe herself in her language. If we disregard labels and stop putting relationships into boxes, it takes away the pressure to define oneself. Women like Musa can love other women without having to give it a name. It just is. So when we perpetuate this idea that everyone needs a label, we, as English speakers, are marginalizing those who don't already have words in their language for it and making them feel like they don't have a way to talk about their identities because they don't have a native word for it. Most official definitions of the word lesbian include the word woman. This in itself complicates the term because who are we defining as a woman? And what characteristics does one need to have to be a woman? For example, if a woman were to identify as a lesbian, but decided to date a non-binary person who does not identify as a woman, lines start to become blurry. Would she still be considered a lesbian? If you look at it strictly by definition, no, she wouldn't be, because the person she's dating isn't a woman. So when we consider the difference in identities, lesbian becomes a very narrow term. Looking at how we define the term lesbian socially, however, the meaning becomes a lot broader. To account for those who are lesbians but are not women, there are plenty of non-binary folks that identify as a lesbian. There are also transmasculine folks, who may have previously identified as a lesbian, but after transitioning don't feel comfortable using a different label, or they still feel like the term lesbian accurately describes them. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we decide who this label is for? And there really isn't any one answer. Everyone can have their own opinions, 
But at the end of the day, it's just a word. And people are going to love each other, regardless of what others want to define their love as. This is something that Lila J. Rupp discusses in her book, A Desired Past. Before we started putting sexual and romantic desires into categories in the early 1900s and even after, relationships were just relationships. There weren't specific words for sexual preferences. Rupp poses the question of whether it's right to use modern labels, such as lesbian, on those who engaged in same-sex acts in the past, because the word lesbian wasn't always used. So can we call a woman from the 1500s who slept with other women or married a woman a lesbian? This is why she uses the term same-sex in her book when referring to such people. She says, quote, We need to comprehend the variety of desires and loves and sexual acts that make up our past because the very ways we think about gender and sexuality are a product of this history, end quote. As she explains, we need to grasp the idea of sexual and romantic acts without categorizing them in the past and the present. In the book Transgender Voices, Beyond Women and Men, author Lori Gershik explains that in the 1890s, the term butch, quote, referred to a female butcher, a traditionally male occupation, end quote, and that many sexologists and lesbians didn't always include femmes in their definition of lesbian. In the 1950s bar culture, the butch-femme dynamic was very prevalent. These lesbians saw their butch-femme dynamic as different from the standard male-female genders and relationship dynamics of the time. However, Gershik says, quote, The feminist movement of the 1970s was ambivalent about butch-femme presentations and criticized them for imitating male-female gender roles. Butches and femmes were viewed as standing in the way of women's liberation, which emphasized the goal of women freeing themselves from male dominance, end quote. The want to be free from male dominance is very relevant in a patriarchal society, but it's not as simple as lesbians making cultural spaces of their own away from men, because again, it's getting back into that binary way of thinking. In the book, Gershik says, quote, one of the most contentious efforts in the lesbian community to police who is accepted as a woman is the policy of the Michigan Women's Music Festival, which is open to women who are born as women, who have lived their entire experience as women, and who identify as women, end quote. The point of the festival is to make a safe space away from, quote, sexism, misogyny, heterosexism, and homophobia, end quote. But is that really being achieved when trans women are not welcome? Trans women face a lot of backlash because they were not born female, but that doesn't make them any less of a woman than someone who was. So they're enforcing that binary they're trying to get away from while simultaneously shunning trans women out of women-only spaces, spaces that, as women, they have every right to inhabit. On the other side of things, Gershik shares about an individual, KT, who identifies as butch lesbian and transgender, who has struggled to get people to understand that their gender is butch, and that there is more than the simple gender binary many ascribe to. She also mentions that many female-to-male transgender individuals were still part of the lesbian community, despite the rift between who accepted them as part of the community and those who did not. All right, today I have my friend Gabby here. Hello, I'm so excited. Well, it is so nice to have you on the show. So you identify as a lesbian, correct? I do. 
Do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with the term lesbian? Well, I first had like the idea that I was a lesbian kind of back in middle school, but I like, it's really weird because I remember knowing like, okay, I think I'm attracted to men, but like this word just feels so much better and like more comfortable to me. And like, I went to, I went to private school growing up. Like I did not have like many resources or like history or anything. I was just kind of like teaching myself along the way. So I knew that like, okay, I'm attracted to men. So I'm clearly bisexual. And I identified as that for like a really, really long time. And then it just kind of took me about 10, 15 years to like discover that I actually am a lesbian. So it's interesting kind of realizing there are like more sides to the story than just who are you sexually attracted to. It was like the opposite of of, of an identity crisis for me, almost. Like I feel like I was having an identity crisis up through, from like high school up until my like junior year of college. And then all of a sudden, like done. Identity crisis over. I'm good now, guys. We're good. You had like a, a an identity epiphany. Literally. Yeah. I feel like when I was dating men, I like had the inclination to present as more masculine to like make up for the fact that I wasn't being gay enough. Like I just really felt like a piece of me was missing when I was dating men and that like I wasn't feeling as queer as I wanted to. And I definitely think like that's kind of why I've slowly been becoming more comfortable with being feminine while being in a relationship with a woman. Now it's like, okay, I am comfortable in my sexuality. So I feel like it's okay for me to like relax the parameters on how I want to identify toward other people very much like how you perceive yourself, I feel like really changes how you perceive others. 100%. And how like, if you change one identity, suddenly the other one's going to want to change too. I mean, maybe not, but it's very easy to like discover something new about your identity. And then it's like a waterfall effect almost. So how do you see yourself and perceive your identity like compared to kind of the world that we live in? What comes to mind for me at first is like, yes, I've like dated men in the past, but that doesn't invalidate my my current identity as a lesbian because I do feel the most comfortable in this term. I don't know. I just kind of where I stand right now, it's just that like I could be open to the idea of like sleeping with pretty much anybody, but that emotional component I've realized over the years is like far more important to me than the sexual component and I think that is what makes me a lesbian is because I just have never been able to emotionally connect with any of my partners in a way that matters to me in a way that makes me comfortable because I had never tried dating a woman before the partner that I have right now is the first woman that I've ever dated and it just like immediately felt so correct it's really fucking crazy like knowing that you're gay your whole life and then like rediscovering that you're gay no I totally get that that's so awesome though it was it was a good experience. It's been nice. And I feel like I understand myself a lot better. And I've like definitely come more into my personality since then, just kind of not having this looming like kind of cloud over me, knowing that like I don't really know how I feel about dating. Like I really assumed for a long time, just because like I had never worked up the courage to like actually pursue a relationship with women that I wasn't gonna date ever again, really, very seriously, or I wasn't ever like gonna get married or have a life with somebody else, and that I was just going to be kind of my own person for a long time and then like really finally realizing that that part of myself is active and is there and does like work the way that it does for all of these people that I see like on TVs and like in the streets and whatnot it was just very validating to like discover that about myself even though I knew all along yeah absolutely that's it's so touching because you know hearing somebody's experience of how they've grown to discover themselves because it's really hard to find yourself especially in a world that's so like cis normative and heteronormative that they just push on all of these things and don't really give you a chance to even think about something else and then when you finally you know as an adult and you get to learn about all of these things 
when you finally like get to experience that for the first time, it's amazing. It's like, wow, how have I never been able to feel this way before about somebody? Like the way that I think of myself is like, I'm a woman, but like not in the way that like society as a whole would define a woman. You know what I mean? I identify as like a non-binary woman, like altogether. I prefer they, them pronouns. And I am a lesbian because that emotional component, I can only have that sort of emotional connection with women. I've only ever been able to do that, even though it's not specifically me being like just sexually attracted to women and nobody else. Like identifying as non-binary, did that ever dissuade you from identifying as a lesbian or thinking that like you couldn't identify as a lesbian because you were non-binary? I really kind of felt like I could only have one or the other. So I did like continue to identify as bisexual for a long time, but like that just, I just really felt like miserable under that label because it just, it wasn't true. And I kept trying to make it be true and it just was not happening. And I just eventually decided that I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Because it's like the minute that you do things for yourself instead of for like society or like identifying as a way that matches your feelings versus like matching what people think about you is so much different. Would you ever want, like, if, you know, there wasn't the perceived need for labels, would you just want to go completely labelless if you were able to? Probably. I don't know. I've never really thought about it before. I've always been like very comfortable just calling myself gay. Like I've always been cool with umbrella terms, but I think the need to have a very specific label and like finally get to the get to the fucking bottom of it was an internal validation thing that I was really struggling with. I really felt like I just like didn't know who I was or what I wanted. Love-hate relationship with labels for sure. And it's a really difficult like kind of dichotomy because I personally like find a lot of comfort in finally having a label that I feel like fits me very well and that I'm very comfortable in. But also for a long time, I just felt very ostracized by the concept of labels as a whole. And I really feel like that's something in like, it's a phenomenon in the queer community that we don't talk about quite enough is that like labels can be extremely empowering for a lot of people, but they could also be ostracizing for people who maybe haven't figured themselves out quite yet. Yeah, for sure. I really took comfort in like many, many labels. I could give you probably like five or six different labels to like accurately describe how I feel. But like in the same sense, like I'm just putting myself into more boxes because it's like if I'm really talking about like how I actually feel, like I'm just me and I just like who I like and that's it. Like it's just, I'm just a person. And I genuinely feel like overall that's what queerness is all about is just being okay with who you are and like not fucking worrying about anything else and recognizing that like everybody's completely different and you're not going to be able to pick out a label once you see it. Yeah, it's a it's a double-edged sword. Finding like a word to describe a feeling that you have about yourself or about other people that you're like, oh my God, this explains who I am. Like I'm not alone and this isn't just some odd feeling. Like that word can be so empowering because you're like, I finally understand. Just in an overall sense, like now that I know that I can stop and think about the situations that, I, that I'm that i in and now that I know that I can like make choices for myself and do what I want and be who I am. Like not only do I look at like heterosexuality differently, but also like I look at past friendships differently. And I just kind of, I recognize myself as like a different person now who like knows so much more about themselves. Looking back on my whole past almost 
feels weird. I look at, I like, I look back at pictures of myself from back then and it's like, I see myself, but I also like just see somebody who does not know who they are and like does not know what they're doing and is kind of just like doing what they're told. I don't consider the person that I was before I started making decisions for myself to be me anymore. I feel like I really had to reinvent myself over a long period of time and like through a lot of different experiences with a lot of different genders and a lot of different body parts and a lot of different identities and just all of this complicated shit that makes up being queer and like kind of just trying to find your identity as a whole. I remember feeling like maybe, maybe I'm not gay and like this moment if I do try to date a woman it's gonna be like the nail in the coffin like yeah there is no possibility for you to like ever really find love and whatnot. So like it was really scary and it took me a long time to like actually bite the bullet and be like Gabby like this will make you happy and you need to just give it a try and like figure this out once and for all. I am literally like so in love and so happy with like where I am right now and it took a lot of work for me to take that leap of faith but like I love being a lesbian. I feel like I'm me for the first time in my life. That is so important. Finding yourself is already difficult like to begin with and I feel like when you realize that like you're queer it almost like it really like forces you to have to figure that out and I feel like a lot of people that aren't queer or don't identify as queer they don't ever really have to put that much thought into themselves and I think that's because like they are what everyone tells them to be but then like for us we have to make our own identities yeah exactly like I literally like I feel like I was just being told what to do until one day I decided to start doing things for myself and that's when I became a human being well thank you so much for being on the show I really really appreciate it it was so nice talking to you thank you so much for having me I really did have a blast So what do I think? I personally have never identified with the term lesbian. I've always been attracted to men, and I no longer identify as a woman, so by dictionary definition, the label hasn't really ever fit me. I think it can be really helpful, though. When someone finds a label for the first time, it can resonate with them. Finding a word to describe the way that you feel can be so enlightening, but there's always the possibility of change. And a lot of homophobic people will point that out. But even so, we don't always have to identify as the same thing. Just like how I used to identify as a woman, I don't anymore. And it's fine that that's changed. Someone could identify their whole life as a lesbian and then decide that the label doesn't fit them. A lot of people worry about choosing a label because there's pressure from society to put ourselves into boxes. And even though it can feel liberating, we're just drawing more lines, dividing into more categories, and getting into more boxes. Because in the end, people are going to love each other, and people are going to identify how they see fit. And it doesn't matter what you call it, because whatever word you decide to use, people are going to exist, plain and simple.